Hello, Internet. I'm John Lucas, and this is the ESC Insight Daily Podcast, live from Liverpool. I'm joined on today's episode by Dutch broadcaster GJ Kujiman from the Dinga Dong podcast and locally sourced superfan AJ from Phoenix ESC. Now, we may be a week out from the finals, but the city of Liverpool is already in full-fledged party mode. And as such, you may hear some rather enthusiastic karaoke taking place in the background of today's episode. There is also a small amount of wind distortion picked up on the audio, which I hope you won't find too distracting. As the aforementioned audio issues were mostly prominent at the start of the recording, we're going to forgo our usual intro and begin with a discussion of the Netherlands and their journey from eight-time non-qualifiers to the power ballad powerhouse they are today. We go on to cover the local media frenzy over this year's Dutch artists Mia and Nikolai, before moving on to the latest Eurovision rehearsal news, the auto-qualifier draws for the final, and some controversial proposed changes which may be coming to the semi-finals this year. Now, without further ado, let's dive in with a discussion of all things Dutch. Absolutely. I want to go back a little bit to the kind of Dutch, the lost decade the Dutch had yes. in the two thousand, like the two thousands, into the two, up until a um, new obviously the the the, the, the Netherlands came in. Anouk's we abandoned our national final and everything, and yeah, yeah that's been so. Because sometimes I feel like the UK is a bit because we're an island, we have a bit of an exceptionalist approach mm. to you know we think of ourselves as separate from Europe, and that I think that's where a lot of it comes from. This sense that oh Europe, we're not we're part of Europe, but we're not part of Europe. We're not connected. Maybe they don't like us as much. When the Netherlands was in that really doldrum phase it was like six seven eight years without qualifying what was the dutch media saying what was what was the kind of what was their kind of should we still compete should we still compete that was the dutch audience and the dutch media kind of way should we still be doing this i know it's like we pay the money for the ebu so i guess we have to um at that point it actually shifted from because our national broadcasting system is way different than you guys have it Uh basically we have an umbrella public broadcaster with a lot of specialty broadcasters under it and it shifted to a broadcaster which also had a very I would say you know um, more of a lower end kind of lower scale kind of approach to it where it's much about Schlager and they were making uh, entertainment shows that were geared to an audience which maybe had a lower income and, and, and voted a different way and that was the perception oh they're dumping it at that broadcast because nobody else wants to do it anymore and then a couple of the broadcasters had to merge because they were going into a different system and that brought in another point of view from a broadcaster who was very much in touch with musicals and cultural stuff and music and that became that invoke that invoked that new way of going and of course an artist which at that point Anouk was the is the biggest female singer in the Netherlands she does only four shows a year stadiums sells them out doesn't do anything the rest of the year and she said you know what I'm just gonna do this I like this. Let's do this. And then they were like, "All right, well, abandon the national final. Yes, anything you want. Oh, my God, you're doing this." And that did what we now, where we are now. Yeah, I always would say when the UK, like Chris Samrider, whenever anyone asks me like, "What can we do?" I always said, "Look at the Netherlands. The Netherlands have yeah. got it so right. We just need somebody." Samrider wasn't on Anouk's level of celebrity in the UK, yeah. but she, well, he, he had to follow it. He was well known. He was on TikTok. Yeah, I he, knew of him. But yeah. he had the same authenticity. Yeah. 
and the same approach to music, which I think is the most important part of it. Yeah, and he came to it and said, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this as me. I'm yep. not going to try and write a Eurovision song. As you say, I'm going to put a song out that is very much in my style, that the song is very much in line with the rest of the material. Yeah. You know, that's his, he, he is like a big queen head. He loves that big, dramatic, bombastic. And it was his vision, as I said, and that was... So, yeah, he, he is really our Anuka thing, and that's how we'll see him, so... Um, speaking of the Netherlands, you guys have been in the press quite a lot this year. No, not necessarily, not necessarily for the most positive reasons. With obviously the rehearsals the, the, uh, and the, the pre-parties, there were some issues with the vocals. Um, and since then, there's also been some stuff about the songwriters. Um, even even this week, some stuff's quite about the songwriter from Arcade, uh, Walter. Walter Hardy, Walter, yes. Walter Hardy, who kind of said some things about his relationship with Duncan mm-hmm. and he'll sit along. What's your take now at this point on the selection of Mia and Nikolai and the Dutch entry. What, do you, what are your thoughts on it? Okay, so I do a Dutch podcast about Eurovision. We do it weekly. So this literally has been my life over the last <laughs> month and a half, explaining it to audiences, anything about... The floor is yours. <laughs> Basically what happened is we have a song selection committee. Uh-huh. They listened to about 200, 300 songs. The selection commission was unanimous that this was the best song in that selection this year. Um, but what has happened is a couple of different elements coming to, not coming together quite as well. Um, you know, I think we are having two new artists who both have their own management, who are not a duo in any sense. With this. so that's been a thing. Then Duncan's role was a little bit misunderstood by the Dutch press because when he did it, he had come off the act, um, the Voice, not winning, but he had Ilse de Lange, who had previously competed with the Common Linens, as his day-to-day coach, you know, mentor, manager, mentor, yeah. that kind of stuff. He wasn't taking on that role but he was fully involved in creative process and also brought the song to the selection committee. It went through the same equal playing fields as the rest of the songs. He got no preferential treatment in that. But the media assumed that he would take on the same role. And there's something else, there's a lot, like, we can go really inside of football on this. (laughs) I won't go that deep. But the thing with the Dutch media has also been, we had a little bit of a change in delegation in terms of new head of press and stuff like that. So the Dutch media wasn't getting the same exclusive, the showbiz media, that they were used to be getting over the last 10 years. Which meant they acted like little kids no longer being allowed in the candy jar. So they were out for blood a little bit in that sense. But, no comparison with the Eurovision press with these short time. Oh, God. <laughs> no comparison whatsoever, no. But you know what I think happened is that from what I've, because I ran into Mia last night, I know Duncan really well. The thing that happened is they started rehearsals in January for the act as we see it now here. But because there's been some, you know, just a couple of realignments within the delegation and stuff like that, they just hadn't given any thought on what would happen on a pre-party stage. Because they were so focused on the act. And that combined with, we have to acknowledge the fact that at the pre-party, sometimes they are very hardworking technicians, but they sound check 30 acts in an afternoon really quickly. Some of the artists who are brand new to this, because like Mia, her biggest crowd before all of this was 250 people. She's more known as a songwriter than a performer, even though she is one. Um, was very overwhelmed with all the attention and the, 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 the hype of being around 20 other artists and fans and press and working with Ineas. The vocals weren't there yet. And also they were discovering that, yes, while they did this song, while they were calm and fine and in the studio, it wasn't suiting them well vocally doing it time after time again. They've rearranged that. They've changed it. I think the perception has now changed to seeing what we're bringing this week, seeing how it all finally came together. 
um, but it's been a bit of a rocky road and I think it also became out of this a bit of a complacency that we've done really well over the last 10 years. I was going to ask that, have the Netherlands become a bit complacent because it was such a good role? We became, well, I'm not saying incomplacent, but I think the audience became expected of always sending a good thing. I do think we have become aware, and I've said this out loud, also to the section of me, we have gotten into a little bit of, I think, what could be a downfall that other countries have felt in you know, sending the same type of thing a lot mm. of times. I know there's also other reasons why certain genres won't send in great songs for Eurovision for the Netherlands. One thing that keeps being asked is, can't we get one of our superstar DJs to produce something? Well, the thing is, they can't make it to Eurovision because these are the biggest beginning festival weeks of the year. Why would they turn down three gigs with multi-million dollar paychecks and to mean, come to Eurovision for I mean, a week? I'd love to see a big superstar DJ do an entry, but like Lumix, Darude, it's not necessarily well, no, a guarantee I'm, of success. But I've spoken right? to some DJs and they would not be on stage for it, but they would love to produce it. Sure, yeah. But then, of course, you would want them here to kind of promote it, and yeah. that can't can happen because they're literally in Dubai doing six million dollar gigs. Yeah. <laughs> so that can happen. But I think the what I hope will happen next, and I've been saying this out loud. I hope the broadcaster is listening. Is we have to kind of embrace. I think our other countries are doing the selection process. Having an internal selection is great. Because I did an interview with our head of delegation who said, if we do a national final, major artists won't compete. Yeah, they won't the send in because in the Dutch, it's a small country with a small music scene. If you then become second or third in the national final, it feels like you've lost. And it feels like maybe the Dutch general audience says, you're not the best. And they don't want that. What I do think we can do is look at Austria, for example. They have their own internal selection committee, but they do have a songwriter camp which they do earlier in the year, where they specifically chase out artists and genres that other that won't set in so they have a good, you know, kind of mix of everything. And next to their own selection commission, they have an international advisory commission of Eurovision fans, A&R people from labels, industry professionals, and other artists who give them an advice. So they get more external kind of feedback on this could work as well. You might be looking at the wrong song here because this is what's done well for you, but you might literally be leaving a gem on the floor because it's just not a improvable vision right now. Yeah, it's really interesting because I felt like last year the Netherlands got it so right. Not in terms of sending a song that was ever going to win. I don't think Steen was ever going to be the winner, but it was like, here's how you send a song that, like Samride, is in an artist's wheelhouse. It's what they would do outside Eurovision, and it's it's giving them a spotlight. It's giving, you know, that's the first time a Dutch language song had been on Eurovision for, for ages. And, yeah. and that was, again, down to, and I think you can attest to this as well as a big fan, AJ, is the, the fact that more national languages keep coming back into this contest when yeah. 10 years ago everyone was like we have to do it in English it yeah. has to be globalized it has to be a thing the contest has grown globally but more national languages are coming in and are doing insanely well Definitely. so That's I think two winners native languages exactly yeah. so I was a little bit surprised because I, I, I really like Bernie Do. I think it's a lovely song but I was a little surprised that they went from because that seemed to go over really well to yeah. sending like a really authentic artist sent with something that she would have on the radio to send it a song that feels like it was very much written for Eurovision it wasn't written for Eurovision actually but I think what um, Steen said about last year as well and we discussed it at length is the, the, the Dutch language is hard it's a hard language to, to um, connect to because it has a lot of sounds and, a lot of them. and Steen for some reason writes in a way that uh, sounds like very approachable she uses a lot of words that don't use those sounds She's, I saw her in live two weeks ago and I think that was why that worked. I don't think a Dutch language song would always work because of the way the language sounds and the way that comes across. Um, but I think we mix it up, you know? I think it's the same if you look at other countries. Um, Ukraine going for an English 
song this year as well. True, yeah. yeah um, really and I mean, they've never not qualified, so go figure. I think if you mix it up and look yeah. at what works, it works. That's fair enough, yeah. And how, na- we mentioned the national finals, obviously the UK has had every, every kind of national final to make it work. But now that, again, now that Sam Ryder and May have kind of raised the bar a little bit and the, the interest is there, would you like to see the UK try and go back to a, like a higher profile national final or do you think internal selections are the way? I can't envisage, I, I mean, I'm in two minds about it because the national finals that I've seen, that I remember, like you decided stuff like that, they were abysmal, like especially the last one that the UK did in 2019. Honestly, so <laughs> tragic that they had like two, um, like two different artists perform like different versions of the same song and that was awful. Um, but at the same time, obviously, um, they've also bonded with internal selections as well, so. Um, you know, you can kind of fail with both methods. Um, but no, I feel like internal selections are the way to go for the for the UK and Eurovision. I kind of, I just don't envision a national a, a national final produced by the BBC that results in a in a good in a good result for the UK. We kind of joke that the British public can't be trusted, but I think there's some truth to that. I don't think they can be trusted to pick the best song from a selection of songs. Um, and I think that's that's fine. You know, other countries they 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 have a system. They make it work. Uh, they've got national selections, well-established national selections. But UK is just not one of those countries. And I feel like with this year and last year, they've shown like this is the best way for this country, the UK, to go forward. So I just want to see internal selections. You were selections. so close to getting Rina Savayama to do it. I mean, hello. <laughs> hello. Yeah, and she'd never do a national selection. Like, she'd never do it. No, no, but I think that also has to do with the fact that you... And, you know, this thing that I keep saying is some national selections have been there for over three decades, so it's yes. slowly built up yeah. that ingrainment of this is how this works. I think if you put in a national final in the first five years of doing it, you will fail at least two times by sending yeah. something wrong. So you have to educate your audience as well. Yeah. I guess I think everyone looks at Sweden's Melody Festival and thinks, why can't we have that? Yeah. But Melody Festival has been going in various they forms didn't just, like, come up since with that in no, a day. 1956, yeah. and then obviously it evolved greatly in the 2000s. It's a whole institution. Like, yeah. You can't replicate that. You can't do that in a year. You, know, yeah. you need to really put the groundwork in, and yeah, you have to be willing to fail. And I think the problem is that when we have failures. There's, there's a tendency to go, oh crap, that didn't work. Just, let's try something else. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Stay the course. And Stay I think course, yeah. that's so brilliant about Lee Smithhurst, mm. um, who is, you know, head of delegation, who's now producing the shows creatively. He admitted to what happened in Rotterdam that yeah. they completely miscalculated what James Newman was going to do, and that they that he had that very important meeting at the hotel room the night after the finale with the Spanish delegation and look at both of them look at what both they both said to each other we're doing something wrong what is it how can we change it and look at both Spain and the UK completely changing also the perception of the big five the only country that remains to be a bit of a what is Germany out of those five the rest have really in the last couple of years went let's do this we're not just have come such a long way and I think that's also what you're seeing with the shows this year and what's happening with the way they're producing it the way they've picked their host but also the interval acts we're seeing Rebecca Ferguson come in mm. they could have I think the perception was maybe that the BBC was going to put their biggest star power in those shows you don't you send talent even for those acts I've heard that everyone has cried seeing that interval act with Rebecca Ferguson oh wow we're going to get three British drag queens on a Thursday <laughs> we're going to get you know some, we're going to get Sonia in there with Sonya, exactly no, but it's like Sonya. that everyone was I think expecting Adele at Sheeran Elton John level type of performances to really have that maybe sometimes deserved because I you know I do think the British music industry is top notch in some cases 
that going like, listen, we're the best at music and we're gonna prove it to you now. We're doing this coronation concert. We did the Jubilee last year. We've done the, the Olympics. We're gonna prove it to you again. No, they're going for talent. They're yeah. going for showing and local talent. talent yes, the local yeah. talent. Sonia well. is giving the scent, the spirit of Liverpool. You yeah. Know? And Rebecca Ferguson <laughs> exactly. is in there. Yeah, We've yeah. got Hannah Waddingham coming in. My my mother only knows her from Tet Lasso, but I've known her from the West End. And it's just having her host it. You you and having Alicia in there. Yeah. I would have sworn if you would have told me three months ago. I literally put a, like a bet down with friends. It was going to be Claudia Winkleman. Yes. It was going to be Claudia Winkleman, probably Rylan, and then maybe Adrio Dudu. And look at what they've created. Yeah, look yeah. who they've put in those places. Choices. Yeah, and yeah. getting Clara Ampho involved to do the digital stuff. It's yeah. just been amazing to see that. Yeah, it does feel like there's a real vision behind it, which is really nice. Yeah. Now, one thing, actually, you you actually were the centre of some breaking potential breaking news this past oh, week. Oh, boy. I don't yep. think it's been 100% confirmed. It, uh, is it now 100% confirmed? Or after some talks, after my scoop went, I think it's pretty much confirmed. Okay, so happening. for those who haven't been following uh, the latest Twitter uh, rumor mill, essentially it seems, and we don't know 100%, but it seems very likely that rather than have the, during the semi-finals, rather than have the acts sat with their delegates in the green room for the results announcement, they will all be lined up on stage, similar to shows like X Factor and Strictly Come Dancing. And Melody Grand and Prix and Melfest. I think that's what inspired it more. And they will be called out while well, standing on stage yes and some people have said that that is a little bit cruel that it, it isolates them a little bit it's a little bit. what what are your thoughts on this i'll go to you first AJ. what are your thoughts on this um again i'm in kind of two minds about it because as you said it, it does seem a little bit cruel you know for some i mean some artists when they don't qualify they take on the chin it's fine but others it, they it, it, it's a real knock it's real really devastating for them and kind of being away from the limelight being with the delegations or it, with you know with people they know um, is real is kind of comforting. So kind of it seems like the way that they've done it so far has been you know it's been fine. Like, why do you need to change that? Kind of the artists that qualify they get to celebrate. The artists that don't qualify get to kind of commiserate in peace. Whereas now with, like with that change, it, it the, it's although obviously it's kind of good for the artists that are qualifying. They're on stage. They get to, get to celebrate. Um, they also don't qualify. They're kind of in, they're, they're in plain sight. Though everyone can see them. To hide, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, you know, thinking especially of kind of like the younger artists uh, in that situation if they don't qualify. And I mean, yeah, we have a 16-year-old this yeah. year who's like on the borderline. Exactly. Right? And I mean, I mean, to be fair, Victor is a very mature young man. I'm sure yeah. he'd take on if, if that were to happen. But yeah, like, I mean, you can't predict how they're going to react and it's it's just very risky I think um, at the same time for what I've seen in Melody Grand Prix and Mel- Melody Grand Prix and Melody Festival and stuff like that it's been like like I think it's been fine yeah. TV uh, it's worked like the artists like you know they'll get a bad result they'll be like oh, whatever like you know they're kind of like it's never like there's no not been any to expect um, and you know they can kind of compose themselves and prepare for that as long as that can happen maybe it could work but I, I suppose we'll just have to see on Tuesday yeah. there's a couple of things that I've learned since that really factor into this um, first of all there's a bit of a technical thing the green room is a bit smaller because it's a bit of a smaller arena which I've heard could mean that 
they would have to send in they, they couldn't get the shots right because yeah. you would want to do it with cameras from a little bit far behind because otherwise we go back to what we've had about a decade ago where you would have a camera team running to a delegation yeah. <laughs> at 30 seconds before it happens and then the whole yeah. TV show part of it's gone because that's been that's why this is happening this is because it's a TV show still like, because I always keep saying a lot of people forget even us as fans this is a TV show yeah. first they could have done this himself at Media City with 200 people audience yeah. if they wanted to yeah. so I've heard that was one of the considerations of that of course yes what happens is from a TV's point of view if you isolate them standing there the tension is bigger therefore the elation when they get in there are bigger but from what I've heard the focus is really on the way Strictly also does it you'll see the elation you'll see the happiness but it won't be nasty it won't be crying faces and for what I've heard there may even be a moment where we will be able to say goodbye and get one final round of applause for the five six acts that won't qualify to really celebrate them once more time it's not done out of malice it's not done it's done very much in consideration of indeed Victor from Greece like figure 16 but it's done to kind of create a more magical moment of elation for those who qualify because they are so aware of for example that first semi-final 12 could qualify I'm not even yeah, sure if the Netherlands qualifies yeah. I'm not even sure if the Netherlands will qualify based on the quality of the songs that are in there not performance based or whatever based and it's done for that reason they're trying something new you know every change is new I mean the uproar when the televote came in was something yeah. the uproar when the juries came in yeah. the uproar when we started doing having semi-finals and we moved out the you know the orchestra Focus came in in 2021. That was a big thing, you know. It just keeps on. Changes are always new. Um, I am in good faith that with Lee Smithhurst, who's done Strictly, who's done this kind of feel-good TV, and they're um, they're so aware that it's a family show now. I've heard from the head of contest, who is Dutch guy, who started in 2021, did Turin, that he also programmed the running order, thinking about. Family, British families will now for the first time see the show at 8 p.m. They will watch the semis for the first time. So he starts the show with something that is family friendly. Yeah. They, I don't think they're here to create this nasty thing with like deadlock yeah. and, and emotion, emotionally, you know, torturing stuff. No, they just wanted to create more of a moment out of it instead of being a quick you win, you win, you win, you win, yeah. and out. Yeah. No, they want yeah. to have and more. Forgets the acts that no, don't qualify. And I, just, I think that sounds really nice. How the acts that don't qualify, they kind of get like a final moment, a final, yep. the final recognition. That you still did this. Yeah. Yeah. I did think about the, the the practical aspect of the camera crew having to move between the delegates. Even last year, yep. I remember because they always have, you know, they, they have to point to a certain amount of people before they. And so obviously, if you are sitting in the green room and a cameraman runs over to you, you know you've probably got a good chance. Or you don't, and you get your hopes up because they will probably send out two camera crews yes, at the same yes. time. Now you can do it with cameras all the way in the back of the arena and the artist won't know which camera is zoomed in on them or not. Yeah, because I did think last year, I wondered like, what's more depressing? Having your hopes built up multiple times and they're not getting through exactly. or just being ignored by the camera people the whole yeah. time. Like. And what of course we're getting also is something that they'll announce from what I've heard and I think I've seen in the rundown of the script, which uh, was part of the reason I was able to publish this, is we'll get the first five first then we'll get a reaction from them with Alicia interviewing them, how elated they are oh, that they've gone through. And then we'll get the final five added to that as well. So there will be more of a, think, a human connection to them as well, which will then help them, I think, in the final as well. Okay. I always remember last year in the second semi-final watching the results come through and 
I don't think Vladana from Montenegro appeared on camera once. Yeah. Like, they just never pointed at her. That must have been depressing. Yeah. But also, Brooke from Ireland was on like four or five times. Yeah. So she must have thought she was definitely going to get through. And then she also. So either way, it must be incredibly hard. So yeah. I, I, don't, I think there's. I have mixed feelings about this change. I, we'll see what we'll it looks see like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I do think there's no perfect way of doing this. It's always going to be, yep. to a degree, a little yeah. bit cruel. Because it's exactly. television. It is yep. television. And not everyone can win. So. It is, And it is still a contest at the it end is still of the a day. Yeah. And in the end, you know, I think I spoke to some delegations who literally said we understand we have to protect the artists in a certain point but they did sign up for a contest yeah, they exactly. did. it is that in the end of the they day can, they can bomb and come last with no part that's that's yeah. possible to anyone indeed yeah um, speaking of this year's uh, and the contest and some changes so today actually some breaking news we've just heard the the auto qualifiers, with the exception of Ukraine and UK who already drew but the other four so France, Spain, Germany and well, Italy they've drawn their halves in yes. the grand final now so let me see if I remember this correctly. So Italy and France and Spain are all yeah. first half and Germany have drawn second half. Do you think that changes things in terms of the leaderboard or, or the, the, the odds of any of those countries doing better or worse or left hand? I don't think that is a factor. I do think we're going to get a greater show out of it. Uh -huh. mm. I think, you know, the UK being lost already and there being so many good songs in there, having France and having Italy in that first half really cemented as, we have had years where every great thing, every like song that had a hype or had something unique to say or something was in that second half. Mm. We're gonna get a really good um, playing field of that stuff. And I, I love, I did an interview with Tom in Rotterdam about doing that final running order, what goes into it, all these different factors. He'll have an amazing playing field with just these things in there. It's gonna be great. Yeah. I did, I, I, if you haven't seen Marco Mangoni from Italy reacting to drawing first half, I would recommend looking at oh. him. It is Ooh, very I will. Funny. It's very funny, bless him. He, I, think, he was I think I've heard about that. A little bit gutted, but um, oh. I don't think it will, I, I don't think anyone's results are going to be too badly impacted by this because no. I think Italy and France are probably going to get more jury points than televotes anyway. Mm. And, and Spain too. I actually. wouldn't be so sure about that with France. Yeah. France I, think France France? Could, I think France could get a great televote, but I think she will almost certainly get a good jury result. And, and she, I think she is actually a large factor in why this becomes a more uh, exciting competition. Yeah. I'm very, very certain that she will sometimes get some points away from Lorene, yeah. which yeah. I think will make that battle between which we now think are the three competing yeah. artists for that title, which is France, Finland and Sweden, that will become very much more exciting. Yeah. Now that she's rising, that we've seen the staging. Yeah. She certainly has the momentum. I mean, we, we went into this before this, before we, any of us landed Liverpool, it was like, well, Sweden and Finland are the top two. And it kind of felt like everyone else was battling for third place with bronze mm. and people out. But now, yeah, Lazara has really, she's yeah. on an ascendancy. And there are she people is. saying, can she do well enough? Even if she doesn't top the celebrate or the jury, can she do a Duncan, come second with both and slip in there? See, I think France, I think Finland will be that. Yeah. I think Finland will be that because I do think, and this is something that, I've, for me, it's always important when I do the podcast and I talk about this, you pull the general audience. Because yeah. in the end, we do have to remember that us as a fandom, we're always talking amongst each other. We're an echo chamber. There's things that work well with us that don't work well outside of with the general audience and all the way around. For example, everyone that I've spoken to loves Island Song. They compare it to Coldplay, to The Script, who are selling out three nights in every major European city and stadiums. It will do well with the general audience more than the fandom, I think, will think. Yeah. So I think um, it'll be interesting to see where all this goes. But the one thing that I do think France has maybe misstepped on is putting that French flag in the back of her staging at a certain point because I've already heard 
especially people in Europe. I'm not sure if this plays in Britain much. Going like, that's a bit too chauvinistic, isn't it? A bit too on the nose. Going like, we love France. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see well, if it works. Yeah. They really want to win. I spoke to the head of delegation yesterday. Yeah. They want that double bill. They're hosting again of Junior, and, and they, they came want the so double close bill. in Rotterdam. Yeah. So. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about France. We've talked a little bit about Netherlands. What other rehearsals? We, we, obviously, one thing we haven't seen is full rehearsals because they they've made the decision to close the press centre yeah. in the first week. So we've only seen short clips this year. <laughs> of the ones we've not discussed yet, who stood out for you in terms of rehearsals that maybe you weren't expecting to do as well as they have been? Um, well, probably the UK actually. Like, I think there was a lot of um, concern about how this would be staged. Um, obviously, with the UK's history with staging uh, certain acts, and you know, with some kind of um, pre-party performances that weren't quite up to scratch. I think we were all just quite nervous about how this could be staged. But actually, um, the performance looked amazing. Like the LEDs, the 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 kind the. I think what we were worried about is that they do too much or too little. But I think they struck that right balance of kind of doing just enough. Uh, it looks really creative and colourful. Um, and yeah, like I'm, I'm really happy with the UK and I think that what, that should hopefully bode well for them. Um, as well in terms of standouts for rehearsals, um, let me think, let me think. Um, I think Spain, like from what I've seen again, that's been, I mean, it's basically been a carbon copy from Benidorm Fest, but what works, what happened to Benidorm Fest works, so, um, you know, don't don't fix what's not broken. So, um, so yeah, I think Spain's definitely had a highlight of rehearse as well. What about you? For me, first of all, Israel. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, they've really still not, I'm still not highly convinced on the song, because I think it's a bit too manufactured of wanting a lot of stuff that works well on TikTok, copying things from K-pop and having too many different melodies in there. But they were so savvy by putting that dance break out there as their 30 seconds because she's clearly not doing a lot of press this year, which is down to some security concerns that the Israeli delegation always had. But having that out there, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's got them going. Shh, that will definitely propel her forward. And I think the one that has really impressed me the most is Austria. Hmm. Because that song has always had the potential to be seen as a joke act with yeah. the catchy chorus and everything that's going on with it. And my concern has been that if commentators leap lead it in wrong during the VT it would be perceived as one they've stripped everything that could be perceived as humorous out of the staging it's become sleek the vocals are on point it's styled well so it really will be seen as the song and the performance and that and I think that was really smart of them they really impressed me with how they've staged it one that has really baffled me really baffled me is Greece. Mm. he looks like a boy scout but it's also it, regardless of vocals I think what we have to consider when we've watched the rehearsal footage this year is unlike the last two years the final rehearsal which was then used as a backup tape which we needed for remember our Iceland in 2021 that's no longer needed so the final run is they've been giving their all for five six runs of it so if we see bad vocals or things being off like even Finland his choreograph uh, movement with the shadow wasn't completely in sync. That's because it's a final rehearsal. They're, they're tired. They're not performing. They're um, because it's no longer needed to be taped. So we just shouldn't. We should be wary of that. But the way they've staged it with hyperactive visuals and stuff like that, it doesn't do his voice, his songwriting skills, and his authenticity any justice. I'm not sure what Greece has done. I swear it could have been on the left side of the leaderboard on yeah. Saturday. This has completely gone like, what the hell? I was, I was thinking for Greece that, like in my mind, the staging that they should have done should have been something similar to what Cyprus did in 2015. Yep. Very simple, yeah. dark, 
just kind of like super, super simple, but intimate and effective. That's what they the, could have done. I saw them in the Cavern Club on Wednesday. They were literally pensioners from Liverpool who were just having dinner there. Mouths open at his voice and the way that song sounds. And that's not going to be translated on stage. And it's like... It's always disappointing when that happens. Uh, but on to light and light note, we're going to wrap up a little bit now. But you've both been in Liverpool now. Well, you, you live here. You're born and bred. Uh, I've, and you've been here for about a week now. So if you could, we're, in the next few days, we're going to have a lot of people just inundating this city. They're really going to, all the fans are going to land. If you could give one tip to people, whether it's your vision related or not, what, what one rec- Liverpool recommendation would you make for people who want to, whether it be something your vision related or something generally about the city, what would you recommend that they see or do? Um... I think like with, with Eurovision being here and this being kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity I'd make the most of uh, Eurofest so it's kind of a um, commission of uh, 24 so it's a collection of 24 artistic commissions um, related to Eurovision many of them being Ukrainian um, influenced um, and yeah I think like just like trying to See as see as many of those as possible, and really understand and appreciate the effort that Liverpool has put into this year's Eurovision, um, and you know how Eurovision is you know branches out from you know just a selection of live shows to being you know re- re- you know being related to um, kind of different artistry and you know different uh, creative aspects. I think just like make the most of that. Um, I think that would be great. Fantastic. I know you've got a dash off very quickly, GJ. What, what would you recommend? Have you got a last recommendation for the city? Go into the, go into the restaurants, talk to the people. Talk to the people. It's been so great to just get tips from locals, go and do a lot of stuff like that. Go into Eurofest because it's oh, been amazing what they've done. Don't go into just the things that are on the map. Venture a little bit outside of it. Walk around the docks at night because the Solicove songbirds at night are gorgeous. Visit the Tate Museum, which has an amazing Eurovision experience as well. And visit the City of Liverpool Museum, who've got an amazing Eurovision exhibition and even have a bottle of puppets branded as Liverpool (laughs) in their collection. It really shows you what this city is and what's happening. Visit the museums. Don't spend all your nights out at three amazing Euro clubs we have this year, but also wake up early if you're going to a show. Get a bit of that culture in because it really shows you what this city is about. And that this city deserves that. Well, yeah. The Museum of Liverpool has the Eurovision keys as well. It's definitely worth seeing that. And that's the first time we've seen them mm. separately because I've only seen them as that one big giant blob of creativity. Now they're all spread out with their messages and if you get to grasp what they all stand for and how those amazing those designs are, the one from Rotterdam is completely 3D printed and um, sustainable. Amazing! Go and see that. Well, I think that is a beautiful point to end on. So thank you both very much for your time today. Um, AJ, if people want to check out more from you, where, where should they go? You can go to at Eurovision Podcast on Instagram and you can follow me myself on Twitter and Instagram at GJ Koimon. That is G-J-K-O-O-I-J-M-A-N. Okay, and I, I just called you AJ. I meant GJ, of course. It's so the, the acronyms are just blowing my mind today. <laughs> so that's... Listen, at this point, I've learned in my life, anything that ends on a J, I'll just perk up and go, probably me. <laughs> you might have the same thing. Yeah. So, so actual AJ, where can listeners find more of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, unfortunately, I set up my Twitter when I was obsessed with Greece 2018, which then flopped. <laughs> uh, so my Twitter handle is Aniromu, so O-N-E-I-R-O. M-O-U <laughs> Underrated entry And of course you can find more ESC Insight stuff at ESCinsight.com or at ESC Insight on Twitter Thank you very much guys Enjoy the rest of your week and we will end with as always the guitars <laughs> <laughs>